Hi guys, welcome back to my Steps to Sobriety, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. I'm very privileged today to have a master of rebooting your life on my show today, Linda Kraus Burnett, who has transformed her life and then has written a book about her transformation and her change and is now teaching others how to do it. Fantastic. I can't wait. Linda, it's so lovely to have you on my show. Welcome. Thank you so much. It is such an honor to be here and I'm so excited to have this conversation with you and to open up and, and talk about it. So thank you for having me. Brilliant. Linda, normally no one wakes up when they're 18 and sort of thinking, oh, I want to be an author and show people how to reboot their life. That typically doesn't happen. <laughs> what, <laughs> what did you want to be when you were growing up? I wanted to be a creator when mm -hmm. I was growing up. So I always dreamt of having TV shows that I created. And I dreamt of the unison of creativity with helping the world. I was one of those dreamers that I was a creative dreamer. And so I wanted to always, um, if you look at journals from when I was young, the dream was always to have a platform to reach the most uh, amount of people that I could, but in a way that was impactful. So that was my goal, young, young, young. And I kind of uh, went in very different directions <laughs> looking for a way to fulfill that goal. Well, having said that, you uh, you were talking about uh, trying to get a platform to get your message across. But what was your message? What was, when you were younger, what did you want the world to change into? Because we all, when we we're young, we want to change the world. So what was your your hope? I'm gonna, that is such a great question. And I'm going to try and really make it so clear because it's a little bit ambiguous. Um, in words than it is in my mind, but I'm one of those people that always kind of broke the, the space bubble when I was talking to other people. And I always wanted to know about what was behind the veil. Like, tell me about you and your life. I just was very curious about human connection and I wanted to like deep dive into everyone I met and everyone I saw. And I always could see as I got older and older, it became more apparent that people held back more and more. And it became such kind of a, a psychology experiment. The older I got just saying, you know, I, I watched, I was very mindful of the process of growing older means holding more back, showing less, um, being more cautious, being more guarded. And my mission at the time, and I, I, I would venture to say it still is, was to get behind that mask and behind that veil and say, show me who you really are. I was, I was a little bit obsessed with that concept. Cool. How did you know that people had a mask up? Um, because I was so open with my emotions, with my questions, with my answers, and it always seemed to shock people more and more as I grew older and older. And people would say, you know, would act shocked at the questions I asked, or I would meet them and within, I guess, an, <laughs> an inappropriate amount of time, I would ask really deep and personal questions, you know, and I began to listen to the responses and it would be like, well, I don't know you well enough yet, or 
Um, I don't like to talk about that. I only tell that to my very close circle. And it would just be where I would get real close to people and I would just want to give as much love as I had. And I realized that there were people you could give it to and there were people you weren't. And love seemed like a commodity that as human beings should be very, you know, inner, it, it just seemed like, well, I understand we don't all have the same amount of money in abundance, but we should have the same amount of love in abundance. And huh. why do I not um, have the ability to interact with you to the maximum degree of love? Why is there a limit to how my interaction has to um, look with you and, and, and to the um, limit of how personal I can get and how deep I can get, you know, so all the mindful, thoughtful conversations are reserved for our intimate circle, but I challenge that notion. And that is amazing that you had that insight at such an early, early stage, because ultimately that is one of the key key things that prevent us often seeking help the the fear how to be judged by others and let's think back let's go go back fifty thousand years when we were living in caves in in small tribes if you did something that was really not in accordance with the beliefs of the tribe they threw you out now that was a death sentence so therefore, it is ingrained in you that you want to please. It is ingrained in you that you want to be part of that group. And you therefore protect yourself, I guess, to a certain degree by putting that mask up. So there's a very clear genetic background why we do what we do. Yeah. However, uh, nowadays with the social media and with with the lives that we are living, uh, where everything needs to be uh, polished to a certain standard, it is. I think there is no more positive or very few positive reasons why you keep such a mask up. And on the contrary, the masks that we put up becoming more and more barriers to actually meaningful and sensible communication. I just don't care what new makeup you just have put on. And, you know, that side of your face that I always see on Facebook and the little part. I'm sure there's another side of the face. I just have never seen it on Facebook because that's always how you look. Really? Oh, come on. So no, so that is, I agree 100% with you. So no, that's brilliant. And there's this authenticity of ourselves that we hold back for the sake of conformity. And Mm -hmm. I think that the more we escape that, the truer we can be to who we came here to be and allow ourselves to believe that if who I am doesn't suit you, then you're not meant to be on this journey with me. You know, it's like we have to re, we have to reverse engineer that belief instead of, well, I have to be on this journey with you. So I will therefore make it seem as if we're supposed to be on the same path versus, well, this is the path I'm on. And anyone who is supposed to be on this path with me Mm -hmm. and aligned to my soul's mission and purpose will therefore be attracted to me. It's Mm -hmm. just different than at least for me, that was a reprogramming. That was one of the components. Mm -hmm. And obviously you're saying that you have gone through a transformation yet 
at this moment in time, it appears all that you were always sensitive and you've just gotten stronger and stronger and stronger. May I, may I maybe rephrase that and see if I'm yes. on the money here? I think you were a highly sensitive person who was often confused by the, the lack of, uh, of honest returns, the lack of honesty and authenticity uh, of others. You were a person who was carrying uh, your heart on a sleeve. And I think when you carry it out there, it's very easy to have that heart hurt. Yes. So I, my educated guess is that mm. down the line, there were a few traumas that made you reevaluate your stance on the whole thing. Uh, are you happy to talk about that? 100%. Yeah. And I think it's just exactly as you said, it was um, my desire to connect was stronger than my desire to be authentic. And so um, I developed a need for connection at the cost of some of the beliefs I hold now, some of the evolutions and mindset that I have now didn't exist because at the time, as you said, it was, um, what is my priority in this moment? And my priority in the, those moments was connection. And whatever I had to do to develop those was seemed like a fair price to pay. In hindsight, looking back, um, it's not the lessons I would teach my children, but it's what I used with what I had at the time. And that's where we all grow. We yeah. just can't be the perfect teacher uh, at any one time for crying out loud. That's the reason that we are sitting here, uh, both of us authors and, and having written help books. And we are where I am 54. So it is, uh, and it's only in the last year that I've found my voice. I've learned the lessons the hard way over the last well, over my life, and then transformed my life over the last seven years. But now to come out and, and shut it from the rafters and be different, be be proud to be different, and be proud, proud to be honest, authentic, and showing your scars, and loving those scars, learning to love yourself. That is a journey that takes trauma and then a lot of healing. And then you come to that point. So it is, it's not, not for nothing that most, most life coaches uh, who are passionate about their work are about, you know, more, more or less my age. Um, so, yeah, well, you have I, to go to... I'm 45 and <laughs> it's been the last four years have been the most intense mm. in my evolution as far as awakening to mm. what's mm. D what I'm placing importance on because what I thought was important, what I told, you know, sometimes we tell ourselves what we need to hear. And then when you're in a place of, okay, am I, I'm convincing myself of a story and then to be strong enough to analyze it and say, okay, is this story sabotaging me or serving me? Because sometimes sabotage is masked as protection. It's masked as, you know, well, we, we give ourselves a plethora of reasons why that sabotage is not really sabotage. It's here for me. But, but as we move through that pain and trauma and without the pain and trauma, I don't believe there's as much evolution. I, I just think it's, requ it's a requirement. It's like a, you know, it's, 
what must come first. And so it takes us a while to look back and go, oh, thank you, trauma, for being present. I so needed you because it doesn't feel good while it's happening. And you would never think that one day when you're 45, you're going to look back and say, thank you for the pain you caused. Because without that, I wouldn't be in this beautiful place. But that's what happens. So true. So true. And there is no good story that you watch uh, in in the cinemas where there is not pain. There's always a tribulation. There's always a challenge. That's right. There's always the the, the free uh, act development of of a story, and it is what it is, guys. That is that is, I guess, why we go to the pictures. Why we want to see. Uh, why we want to make sense out. Why Try again. After all, that is why we go to the pictures. We want to see our heroes going through their journey and coming out at the end a different person. And it is, if you think about it, why are we yearning for that? Because deep inside ourselves, we know that trauma is part of our lives. So therefore, we, we want to figure out meaning we want to figure out ways out of that trauma and we want to see the happy ending we we hate pain and we love reward and so that is that is what drives us so four years ago you your life came to a point where clearly you felt no enough is enough what was the catalyst what what finally uh, changed you what put you so much outside of your comfort zone that you said enough is enough? Yes, it was. Uh, it's what I call the painful pivot moment because it's a moment so painful that you have nowhere to go but to pivot. And it's ultimately what changes your course. Um, and so I was started my career out of college in the movie business. I had big aspirations to create that content of impact and have a platform. And then I was in the movie business for about a decade. Um, which is where I met my husband. And so when we decided that we wanted to grow our family and have children, it seemed an impossibility to both be working in the movie business and traveling. And it just, it's not a lifestyle mm -hmm. conducive to raising children. So I made the decision that uh, his career was further along than mine. And I said, you know what, I'm going to find a, this doesn't feel like my calling hundred percent. So I'm going to allow you to go with what does feel like your calling. And I'm going to seek my calling out, which led me to education. And I became an elementary school teacher and started to have children. I have two children. And what was happening is life became Groundhog Day. So here I had this traveling husband who was living adventurous. Um, you know, he, he was traveling, he was making movies, and his life and his identity continued to, to go down a path. Um, while I felt simultaneously I was existing for the benefit of others. So although I love being a mother more than anything on the planet, um, being a mother when you have your own identity is great. But being a mother who has lost her identity to motherhood is a whole other story. 
um, which is what happened in my case. And so when my husband would go away for long periods of time and he would come home, the expectation on my part was you have to fill in all the gaps. You have to fill in all the holes and you have to make me whole because in your absence, I felt empty. And um, so that's an easy game to play because then it's the blame game. It's this is your fault, not mine. You have to fix it, not me. And if I don't get fixed, then I guess if our marriage fails, it'll be your fault. So I was in a little bit of a victim mindset, but I didn't know that I was in a victim mindset. It just felt that you, you play that default part so much that it, it normalizes chaos. And that's where I was. And so we had this continuous fight about why don't you love me enough? Why am I not enough? It's a fight my husband and I have had many times. I'd be willing to say hundreds of times. But in one particular evening, about four years ago, something different happened because as I was having this interaction and fight, you know, we always waited till late at night or, well, not always, but mostly so that the kids were asleep and we can go out into the backyard and box it out. And in this particular fight, for the first time, I could hear the words outside of myself. Like it was almost as if I was levitating beside myself and I could hear the words that I was speaking and I could hear myself saying, why don't you love me enough? Why am I not enough? What more can I do? What more could I be? What more can I say? And those words rocked me to my core because when I finally allowed myself to hear the words, instead of just waiting to hear what his response will be and that what my response will be, you know, normally I lived in the fight, but as soon as I lived in the moment, and as soon as I extracted myself and heard, I realized what was wrong. And oh my goodness, like, this is you. And it's happening to you. You clearly are trying to get someone to love you more than you love yourself. And this can't be a life worth living. This is not going to work much longer. And it's just those words. I probably had said them in every fight we had, but for some reason on that evening, I actually listened to myself and thought, no, when I was a little girl, this is not the woman I dreamed of being. And this certainly isn't the woman that's going to raise two beautiful children. So it is time. Today is the day of drastic responsibility taking. Um, and as I went to walk away from him, I caught uh, my reflection in the kitchen window. And I realized that the words in my head, when I saw myself, it's like, I looked in the mirror and a stranger was staring back at me. Someone who looked old and exhausted. And I thought that's not even you. You can't even recognize yourself in your reflection. So the journey begins. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Because that's that's the, the the key to moving forward, to having that realization. And that is, if I draw the parallel to addiction and to alcoholism and the 12 steps, 
what you have just done there is is one exercise out of step four, where you previously have admitted enough is enough. You realize, hopefully, that well, you you accept that there is help out there. You sought that help, and now you're starting to take an inventory. Uh, you you look at what is really happening, and one of the things you do is you look at resentment and anger, mm-hmm. and you write basically lists with columns there and then in the in the left hand column you put in oh Joe Blocks I really hated him because he did that and that's how it made me feel bastard kind of a thing. And that's that's a, a thing you write, you put a long list of resentments mm-hmm. together. And then when you matured a little bit in your journey it through step four, uh, then with a mentor you come back to that uh, to that list and you actually now go to each and every situation and now say well what was actually your contribution was there maybe something that you had done was there maybe something that we you know what role did you play in that whole scenario and suddenly oh oh yeah if i'm thinking about it this way yeah <laughs> There's always two to tango. Um, so, <laughs> and it is hard. It's so hard because what you described to me is the, the system of the three levels in which we practice our life. Normally, we are in our sort of even keel, that's where we should be. And then, uh, if we push hard enough, hard enough, hard enough, you come to a level where you are in, in stress. And that level then is already the alarm bells going off. You're no longer as so even keel. And then if you push just harder, you come into distress. And oh. you you reach that level up there. And that is then when really the, the nasty reactions come out. Because you're reacting. And your pain makes you like a bear with a sore head. And this, you just shoot. Hello, honey. I'm home. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. That is accurate to the hundredth degree. Yes. And it is, it is, it is, it is hard. And, but it is what it is. And if you have never really had the chance to be mindful and step out of yourself the way you so beautifully described it, you do not see that. You do not know because you're living in that reactionary kind of of level you're driven by your brainstem by all the reptilian brain that that is pure emotions there is no insight you're just fighting for your life that's right raw you're fighting for your life because there's so much pain in you but you haven't yet recognized it brilliant so enough was enough. And then suddenly you walked away from your husband in, in literally that, that moment. Uh, and he must have thought, what the hell? That never happens. <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly what he thought, you know, um, because my goal in the past had been to penetrate through the gloss. And this time it was like, wait a minute, we're having a fight that has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with me. So standing in your presence no longer matters. I need to go and shower and be with myself because this this now has to turn into me. And when the focus was off him, he he did. He 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 was a little bit miffed. Um, but you know, as I began that journey of okay, well, great. Uh, hi, Linda. Nice to meet you. Where have you been the last decade? And where? <laughs> You know, let's get to know each other. And you really reintroduce yourself 
to yourself. Um, and it's like meeting an old friend for the first time after having been away for a while. It is so analogous to that because you don't know, you haven't seen them in a while. You don't know what they like anymore. You don't know what their dreams are anymore. And so you go out for a cup of coffee and you're like, tell me what's been going on in the last decade. And it felt just like that because there had been an absence of my soul and an absence of my essence for so long that I really, it was more than just, okay, great. Now I'm going to be present in my life. Well, that doesn't have any meaning when you don't know you don't have a connection to yourself to know what that looks like. What are my dreams? What's my purpose? What's my passion? What makes me happy? And I had been waiting for everybody to give me answers. I had been waiting on permission for my husband. Well, my life's on hold when you're going. And it's funny because as we began the evolution of, as I began the evolution of self-love, I, I started to change. And as I started to change, I realized our relationship started to change. And it was really discreet at first, but then it became more and more obvious. And, you know, in fact, it was to where we would have conversations about what's going on, like, this is improving, what's happening. And I would say, well, now I have a babysitter and I'm going out and I'm writing and I'm exercising or, you know, there was a big event that I went to in Dallas, which was really the beginning of me finding my way back home. But when I asked for permission and he was like, well, does it make you happy? I mean, I don't know. Do you, do you want to do it? And it's like that hit me like a ton of bricks. I've been waiting for people to give me permission to live my life. And the only permission I need is from myself. The only validation I need is for me. But that is a lesson you life has to teach you. We are not, we have too much programming from those people who raise us and who have an influence on us that ceases to be natural. So it's something we have to hit a wall in order to relearn, at least for most of us. That's been my experience. I could not agree more. Absolutely. It is. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. So nowadays, fast forward four years, uh, is, do you still have rows with your husband? I, now my husband and I have a completely transformed relationship and he made changes on himself as well, because, you know, not to sugarcoat it. He wasn't, it wasn't like I was the evil witch and he was the perfect Prince Charming. We each had things we needed to work on. But the problem is when you focus on what you need to fix in someone else, you lose the lesson of what needs to be transformed inside of you. And you can't cause someone else's transformation. You can assist and guide and be there, but it has to come from them. And so what I found is that it wasn't, we didn't need couples coaching. We didn't need to tell each, we already knew. I knew what his flaws were to me and he knew what my flaws were to him. We were very, very aware of that. But what needed to happen was I needed to work on myself. He needed to work on himself. And then it was one of those where, well, as I evolve and you evolve, either we'll still be a good match or we won't be. And that's okay, which was hard for me because I, when I love you, I have trouble letting you go. Um, but instead, the opposite happened. As we evolved individually, we were bringing so much more to the table. Um, I just want to tell this little story. I, I went to an event 
in Dallas. I was living in Fort Lauderdale and it was the first time I had been away from my children since they were born. And this was my four years ago moment. Uh, it was the year of transformation. And so I was sitting on the plane and I was having a pretty, pretty hor horrible panic attack because I was evolving, except I didn't know that that feeling was a part of me cracking open. And the beautiful uh, flight attendant was giving her speech about if the air mask should deploy, make sure you put the air on yourself before that of your children. And I have been flying my whole life. My whole family lives in France. I know what an airplane is like. And I've always made fun of that. And especially when I had children, I thought, no offense, but if this plane's going down, they're getting the oxygen. Because why would I not put myself after my children? They come first. And on that plane, on that day, I realized what my mindset had been doing to me for years. And here's the truth. You give yourself air first because if you cannot breathe and if you are not your best self, then that lower vibrational being that you are, that, that lesser version of yourself is what you're giving to those you love most. And so nobody wants to do that, right? I want my children to have the best mom that's possible. And what I've realized in that moment is that unless I work on me and give myself the best that I could give myself, I'm useless to them. And I had it all wrong. So true. hundred percent true. The same has happened in my marriage with my wife. I keep joking that it's virtually impossible nowadays for us to have a fight because we have got that mindfulness and it's, I it's, so I know it's beautiful and it it's, is so it is from now and then, of course, we are, we are grumpy and we are, we are, you can't always be your best, but the moment the, the grumpy bear is coming out and it's, uh, you immediately, I catch myself and think, why, what's going on? And we have, I've learned to put uh, protection in there Previously, when I came home after a hard day of work, my wife would literally be there in my face, blah, 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 and completely debrief. <laughs> I understand a, her with all of my heart. Absolutely. And that was, that was her. She wanted to share everything. And right now, right in my face, and I give you 15 problems. No, I don't want you to fix them. I just want you to listen. And uh, 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 this is like that, that kind of... of Oh my God. And that would be, uh, we would have the first row and I would go for the first glass of wine before I even get through the door, just because that was probably one of the contributing reasons. Not that I blame her. Don't get me I wrong. I understand. Um, but nowadays we have that agreement that I can come home first, actually put my bags down, um, actually maybe lie down 10 minutes and just do a bit of, actually, I'm coming home now. My day as it was so far has finished now i'm in a different day and that's beautiful and then she says hey is it okay to talk now and just that that asking for permission to actually to i it's it's the same as asking are you okay now that someone actually looks after me that is such a beautiful feeling and that then from then on yeah we can talk about whatever problems there are or whatever, no problems there are. That's cool. Uh, 
but it is it is so important that you learn what your own requirements are, mm. what your own needs are, what triggers you to be the best in yourself, and what triggers to for the worst part to come out. And without without that knowledge, you will always be left like an animal. You always respond on a yeah. animalistic way, and it, it's it's is that really the way you want to go? Is that really the way you want to live? Shooting from the hip and then ask questions. Well, yeah, mm, uh, no. In my case, definitely no. And in Linda's case, definitely no. <laughs> exactly. Oh, Linda. And then came the moment. So you, you changed yourself. You transformed. You yeah. suddenly became the new you. So what happened end of last year that made you start writing a book? Uh, Self-love, <laughs> trust. I just started becoming the person that I did dream about being when I was a little girl. I started to become her. I started to love me. Um, and there's an awful lot of trust that comes with that. Um, it takes a while to get to that place, but once you do, you feel like the world is yours. You feel unstoppable because you know why you're here and you begin to develop a, a knowing of your mission. And so uh, initially the book became a, a process of an integration process. It, it was a way for me to solidify the transformation from low to high, the transformation from dark to light, and from an absence of self-love completely to an abundance of self-love that I want to continue growing. And I needed a way to make that process real. How do I hold on to that process and give it life so that it's, it's a transformation that wasn't just a memory, but I can document it in such a way that it lives on and it becomes a part of my legacy. And so uh, I just thought, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to pen this, I'm going to write this book and we'll see what happens. And as I began to write it, um, the book is very conversational in style. So it's almost as if you and I are doing this right now. And I start to share my stories mm -hmm. because I think that's where people want to be picked up wherever they are along their journey. They don't want you to tell them what to do. They don't want you to preach to them or teach them because we aren't always ready for it. But I think what I needed at the time and what I tried to offer in my book was, let me tell you about my story. And I hope that through my story, you'll hear or see some of yourself in this story and it will then mm -hmm create an, a reaction in you to seek out more and to understand that change is possible. We have limitations only because we have placed them upon ourselves. But the book was written with the intention of if there's a, if there's a mom out there right now who's in that moment in their backyard fighting with their husband, feeling like I'm not a good mom, I'm not a good wife, I'm not I'm not, I don't look the way I want to look and I'm all by myself, then they would have a tether to say, wait a minute, Linda's experienced many of the things I'm going through. And through her, I can be inspired to dig myself out of my darkness. Excavate Beautiful. your soul. Beautiful. What is the name of your book? 
share with us? So my book is called Reboot Your Life, Bring Back Your Spark. Um, because there's no other way to describe what I brought back than my spark. Your spark is your soul, but it's just your soul in with evanescence. It's your soul sparkling, not just existing, but igniting a fire inside of you. Beautiful. That's exactly it, isn't it? It is. That is, you've just described my life in the last, let's say five years. My first two years after rehab, I must say I was quite an empty shell. I had not just 10 years, but probably 20 years of working, 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 and drinking, drinking, drinking. I had completely lost who I was. There was nothing left to rekindle. The old friend that you described that old friend was 21 or 18 even at that time doing martial arts, circus arts, all kind of things that were no longer me now. So That's therefore I, I had more work to do, but to a certain degree I started with an empty canvas and therefore I could decide which picture to paint. And that was a freedom that with hindsight I... I must be so grateful for. Whilst it was painful because I was so empty and I recognized that, I could start filling it with building blocks that are now essential to my life. My creativity as an author, as a photographer, as a, as a filmer, I constantly learn new things, which makes me grow. I constantly learn new things about myself, which makes me grow. It is, I've started on this path and it's a very meandering and, and winding path. And you think, ah, over there, come to the end of the path and you come around the boulder and there's another path going there and you think, okay. And that path, you had no idea how beautiful that path is. It was just hidden. And so it is from, from one new insight to the next, there is a new path there. So I'm, I find myself nowadays not thinking about the destination where I'm going to, but rather enjoying that path and realizing that at any one moment, I'm, I'm living in the present. I, I learn something new. Right now, sitting here doing this interview with you, I am deeply happy that you share your thoughts and I can learn from your thoughts. So again, there's this learning, there's this growing at a constant level, which is, oh, I wouldn't miss for the world. Honestly, it is so beautiful to have that mindset and to, to move forward and think, wow, if I've been able, in your case, in four years to come to that point, wow, where will I be in two years? in four years time from now, you know, ah, oh, this is, this is, even if it doesn't go exponentially, uh, even if it just goes linear or even a little bit and then sort of slowly increases, I'll take it because yes. every day better is every day better. Oh, no, it's beautiful. Beautiful, 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 Linda. I'm so pleased for you Thank that you, you, that you transformed into this insightful, mindful, new person and, you were therefore leading by example as far as your husband was concerned because his transformation would have not occurred in the same speed and the same direction if he had not witnessed you 
changing and you becoming the new you. So therefore, there's always uh, a action and a reaction. But in your case, the reaction was actually a very positive one from your husband. And I think it's the same here with my wife and me and with, with the people around me. It is. Yeah, I love that. Uh, indeed. I love that so much. <laughs> you know, part of the reason um, I, I titled my book Reboot Your Life is because I had a best friend uh, right around this time. I had had him for a decade, but right around the time of me unraveling he was diagnosed with a terminal cancer and i lost him and prior to him being sick when uh he worked he was my suite mate in the classroom so he had the adjoining room next door for a decade and i am what i like to call a, an electronic zapper so if i touch it it'll it'll break it, it, the, the i tend to freeze and stick electronics and so my computer would have that spinning wheel on it almost every time I put my fingers on it and I would run my computer into his room and I would say, it's spinning and I can't make it stop. And he would say, well, have you tried shutting it off and turning it back on? And it became this joke between us because I, I would say, you know, you think life is always just as simple as turning it off and turning it back on again. And life just, that's not, I wish life was that simple, but it isn't. And yet there I would go to my computer and I would turn it off. I would wait a certain amount of time. And when I turned it back on, it would work and the wheel would not be spinning. And it would say you have upgrades and the computer would be working. And as I began to delve into what the title was and realized that that was like our secret sauce for happiness, I thought to myself, you know, when, when you get your phone and you're spinning, you're more than willing to turn it off. You're more than willing to do what you need to do to make the software work. And when you get that little notification on your phone that says upgrades waiting, we never say, no, thank you. I would like to decline the upgrade today. I'm actually feeling like slow is appropriate. You know, we always take it. We accept the upgrade because we know it's going to have an impact on how we use our software. We know it's going to make us go faster or um, be more productive, but we don't give ourselves the credence that we give to electronics. We don't say when we're getting upgrades, like, yes, I accept. I can't wait to, to have the next level of software. I can't wait to go to the next level. And I'm willing to look at the spin and say, wait a minute, let me turn off. Let me analyze, focus, and see what needs to be worked on. And then when I turn back on, the reboot is a level of life that's waiting for you outside of your pain. So if you're watching and you're feeling whether, you know, our pain, we experience it differently. And this is not to diminish that there are levels of pain, I'm well aware. But at the end of the day, whether it's a lack of self-love or an addiction or a, a childhood trauma, what it boils down to is... Where's the lesson? Because the universe is always working for our greatest and highest good. And if we believe that, then we ask, what's the lesson? Thank you for the pain that will lead me to my next level. Because it's usually always that upgrade. That's what the pain is for. I, so I went true. long on that. I'm sorry, but that's not at all. I had to get out. No, this is your passion. This is, this is your new life that is talking here. That is your realization that you've suffered too long in silence. You have spent 10 years in that mummy hamster wheel 
going round and round. The Groundhog Day, it's so beautiful how you play, how you verbalize that. I, I feel for you and I feel for the many, many, many women out there who are exactly in the same boat there. So you, you have got some powerful messages and I hope that a lot of people will be able to pick up your book and say, ah, that makes sense and take it as the seed to grow their own new identity, grow their own new life with which they are happier and in which they can blossom and, and grow and, and expand to fill the void that they are feeling now and therefore to get rid of the pain that that void is causing. So now it's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Thank you. That was well said. Thank you so much. Uh, Linda, thank you so much for coming onto my show. This was very eye-opening and I recognized myself in many of your words and I think uh, lots of people will do out there. So guys, go out there and get Linda's book and have a bit of a nosy. And uh, Linda, if they want to know more about you, what are your social media handles? Do you have a website? I do. I have a website. It's lindacrossbarnett.com. And uh, within that website, there are links to almost everything, every offer and everything I put out there. And um, you can also find me on Facebook. The group I host is called The Life Reboot with Linda Cross Barnett. And it's a wonderful, safe place to share um, and grow and uh, be within a community that sees you and wants to be on the inside and, and kind of break that, that cocoon so i hope you join us beautiful and guys down there look into the description of the video and into the description of the podcast because you find the links in there you just need to click on them it was a wonderful interview linda thank you so much for your passion thank you so much mm -hmm. for your willingness to change the world uh one book at a time mm -hmm. and it was great to catch up with you Thank you so much. I was That's honored right. and thank you for the conversation. Cool. Guys out there, look after yourself. Bye.